Cool. Well, Nate, you feeling good? Yeah, ready? feeling great. Sweet. Yeah, let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Awesome Inc. podcast today. Keith and I have more than a privilege to sit down with Nate from Louisville, whose startup is Casper. Do you go by Casper Security or just Casper? Yeah, everybody ends up calling it Casper, so we'll just roll with okay. that too. Yeah, Casper, not the friendly ghost. He's actually doing things unghostly. Not the mattress uh, too. Not the yeah. mattress. Oh yeah, not the mattress too. <laughs> we'll get into what he does. So not the mattress. He's not a ghost. He's a great guy. He's really passionate about what he's doing. And so Nate, thanks again for driving over today to yeah, get man. oriented. We're excited for you to be in the fellowship for the rest of this calendar year and into March of 2021. So to kick things off, can you tell us what Casper is? Uh, yeah, well, so I think you're actually not too far off from a ghost, right? Uh, it started off as just the completely autonomous solar-powered <laughs> event responder. And so if you count the letters there, that's Casper. Um, but if, well, the way we look at it, it's a um, virtual resident for vacant and abandoned properties, right? Something that does haunt the place and kind of keep an eye out. <laughs> that's good. See? I like that. Something that keeps an eye out for abandoned places, um, really to help neighbors and first responders who go to these places when... Uh, when events turn into catastrophes, right? Um, we we started off with uh, letting city governments know when properties catch on fire, and now we're looking at uh, doing squatter detection to kind of help protect, you know, the neighbors, first responders. Things happen at these places, and if you can prevent people from being there when they're not supposed to, that just makes the neighborhood safer. Uh, so that's what we're that's what we're trying to work on. I love it. And Nathan, this is this is an issue. Abandoned properties is an issue that you've been passionate about your entire life. Is that right? Not right, born right. No, uh, our story was is interesting. I, sometimes I think of myself as an accidental entrepreneur because, at least in this case, um, my friends and I competed in a hackathon hosted by Louisville Metro government. And uh, we just wanted to invent a device and hang out for the weekend and build something cool, right? Like a, IoT was really big at the time. And so it's like, yeah, let's build an IoT device. Um, and better yet, it went towards helping West Louisville, which is the impoverished part of the town. Um, you know, Louisville Metro government wanted to uh, know when vacant properties caught fire. And so we ended up uh, just kind of creating the first iteration of Casper, uh, which at the time was just a smoke detector detector. It was a black box that listened for smoke detector sirens in an abandoned house and then let the fire department know. Um, we kind of just kind of sat on it for a bit. We, we thought, well, we're cool. You're doing a cool thing. We made 10 of them for Louisville. We put them out. And, and I think at that point, it, when we got into the neighborhoods and started like talking with the neighbors about how meaningful this was, I think the light bulb like clicked for us. It was like, Oh, this can actually be one, I think, an important social change or, or social matter that we can affect. But then two, this is actually a business like this could be, you know, how many abandoned houses are there? Five thousand in Louisville. Oh, wow. That's OK. I mean, that's probably good. You know, small business yeah, success yeah, there. Get a, get a market right there as it is. But man, that was just the beginning because we've, we've opened up so many doors and learned so much about vacant and abandoned housing. It's not something that people kind of think about too much. And, mm -hmm. and there's so much opportunity we can really tap into with what we're doing. That's so cool. So before before we go any further with talking about the hackathon weekend where you guys created Casper, can you give us a little more background? So yeah. you're Kentucky native. How did you end up getting to this hackathon? What are some, what are some highs from you from where you're born, maybe where you went to school? 
Did sure. you, yeah, did you, did you study computer science? Yeah, um, all of the above, right? Okay. Um, you know, quickly uh, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, went to school at UofL Speed School, started off as a computer science major, uh, ended up double majoring in computer science and then electrical engineering. So I'm one of the, the rare people that kind of understands, you know, electronic product development from the sand that you put into it to the, the back-end software, right? Like mm -hmm. soup to nuts. Um, and through UofL, um, I learned about Level 1 Hackerspace, and uh, now that's a 10-year-old makerspace. I've been involved with it for at least nine. And it's just home, second home, right? You're hanging out with buds. You're, you're making crazy things. Uh, so it was, uh, it's just always been a second home for us. Um, and that's just kind of, again, where kind of this whole entire Casper thing came from because Louisville Metro government had the hackathon at level one. And that's kind of where it all kind of took off from there. So was level one your entry into the startup world or was there another avenue that led you there? Uh, no, uh, burnout was my entry to the startup world. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to do a lot of things. Um, I hadn't had a vacation in my life since starting college. And so uh, I was working at another company in Louisville, um, and left after a year and a half. That was my first real engineering job. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this or not, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. And so, um, actually just hanging out at level one, we met a couple of entrepreneurs there and uh, got hooked up with Chris Bailey, who was at the time doing gear break. And it was so funny because I was just like, I had this idea in college too. Like this was just a smart bright light for motorcycles at the time. And I was like, okay. And then Chris and I, you know, we worked together a little bit, um, to, to kind of develop that product further. Ended up going with uh, Gear Break through the transformation into Revio at Techstars Detroit. And then, um, you know, the, the rest was history at that point. And did some other things too. You just meet a lot of friends. One of my friends out of college was Kella Avanier with Mailhaven. And so we also, uh, was, you know, working with him early on on Mailhaven prototypes and just what can you do about smart mailboxes, right? That's cool. Keith, were you around here when Mailhaven was in the fellowship? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you keep finding yourself in real estate gigs here. Uh, yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Whether it's protecting people's mail or protecting people's whole neighborhoods through uh, virtual virtual tenants. Virtual, yeah. That's when, right. when did that phrase first come up? Because I feel like virtual is that that's what you use right virtual tenants yeah virtual residents virtual residents okay is that was there a moment where you just said that and you're like that's brilliant that's that's what i need to use um maybe just six months ago we're just trying to think through like what is you always like five whys right you go through and you keep asking yourself why are we doing this why are we doing this why are we you know and you just keep going down that chain and maybe that rabbit hole took me down maybe 12 or 13 iterations but it's like at the end of the day we're just trying to put people in places uh, that don't have people right now for economic situations. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, uh, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. So jumping back into the, the first iteration of Casper, what was the moment where you said you got your initial start for this vision? Was it when you're going through abandoned houses and you, you saw that people actually had a need for this or was there a definite moment in your mind that really was planting the flag in the ground? Like, this is it. This is what we're going to do. Mm, so the innovation was at the time at the hackathon, the, the thought and the innovation was I really can't compete with a $5 smoke detector. Like you can't put that sensor into a circuit board and be cost competitive. So there were people who invented things like, you know, uh, they literally put a circuit board inside a smoke detector. And I'm like, well, they have UL certifications and all the safety regulations around them. So I don't want to touch that. Just want to be the piece that relays the information. That's that's what the core problem we're solving. 
Um, but you know, to to the bigger picture of what the the full potential of Casper could be. I mean, one, it's just talking to the neighbors and understanding their issues. But then, two, it's I'm always asking myself, like, is this the full story? Mm-hmm. Right? Then it's not. It, you know, why are houses abandoned? Who owns those houses? Oh, it turns out it's sometimes it, it's a it's a family who owned the house since the 50s and you know retired or passed away and it became abandoned. You know, and paid off for and it just sits there. Uh, sometimes it's the foreclosures, right? And so, oh, well, foreclosures, who owns the, the debt on that? It's the banks. And then what do banks do when things go wrong? Oh, they have insurance or they self-insure. And so we've opened up this whole, it's not really a can of worms, but this this whole entire, um, the way I see it, it's just like a blue ocean or a plane, right, of just opportunity around vacant and abandoned housing that nobody's really thought about before. And, and everybody has all sorts of different needs, right? City governments, it's all about public safety keeping the neighbors in their in the first responders um, healthy and secure. Uh, but, you know, if you're a bank or, you know, maybe a real estate investment trust or um, any other entity, the entity that owns a lot of uh, houses, at some point you're going to have a certain vacancy rate and uh, you start to worry about flooding and pipe bursts and other, other things like that. Ultimately, kind of what it boiled down to was the properties that we are working in typically don't have power. And so we needed sensors and devices to be incredibly low powered. And our hub itself, um, Casper, it's got solar panel on it. So that way it can be self-sustaining. Because the other thing people hate is changing out batteries, that right? That is so true. Right? Like that's just, yeah, it's so wasteful. And so it's just kind of this, you know, amalgamation of uh, uh, ideas, you know, green technology, you know, maintainability, that's helping a social issue. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it. Yeah, you mentioned changing batteries. My mind kind of got sucked there. I was thinking about uh-huh. the 2 a.m. little bird chirp sound from the, oh, the yeah. fire detector. <laughs> smoke detector. Oh, man, those are annoying. Yeah, and you well, can never find where it's at. Exactly. Yeah. And you go through all four of them, and then you realize that was the one outside your bedroom. Yeah, I think it should leak water or something. Like, it should just make a spill in the hallway or whatever. Man. It's like, oh, that wet spot, <laughs> smoke detector. How dare you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that would be a nice, a nice adaptation to those. Well, hey, you mentioned this number a second ago. You mentioned that there are 5,000 home, abandoned homes in Louisville, Kentucky. Is that a large number compared to other cities that you know of? Or maybe with, you know, you said Louisville Metro government. Have yeah. you talked with government officials in other cities oh, to get a number base to, to know Louisville's, you know, abandoned house size compared to, say, Detroit or New York? Yeah, this is one of the challenges that cities are dealing with. If you left your house today, how would Lexington ever know, right? And so cities are dealing with vacancy and abandonment because they don't, uh, it's a really hard thing to detect. And it depends, you know, city by city, what resources they have to detect abandonment. Um, They're getting better at it. And there's some startups around um, identifying those houses for cities. Uh, But we're kind of on the leading edge of that. Okay, now that you know where they're at, what can you do about it? So, you know, with Louisville having 5,000, I think mm, that seems normal to me. Like that doesn't raise alarm bells. Uh, You know, Detroit used to have 80,000. I think maybe they're down to 50 or something. They've gotten a lot of federal aid um, because that was clearly a big problem. But we're talking with uh, cities like Schenectady, New York. You know, they used to have 100,000 people in their community, uh, I think, back in the 60s. And it's now shrunk down to 60,000 people. So imagine there's about two, um, I think the average occupancy is like two people per house, a little bit higher than that. So they might have on, you know, close to 10,000 or so abandoned places for a town that's 60,000 people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it varies, right? 
Um, and it varies on the economic situation of the city, of course. I mean, we all think about, you know, so Detroit was maybe, let's just call it 80,000, maybe not be accurate anymore. Baltimore is sitting around 35,000. And when we called Las Vegas, they said 13 to 30,000. They don't really know. So it's, it's a big gap. It's a big gap. <laughs> Um, we don't think that cities have to know the max number of that's in their community, but they certainly know where some are and we can start getting protection in there today, um, to kind of help change the attitude and perception of that city. Gotcha. That's cool. So speaking of protection, what are some of the, what are some of the main considerations or worries that exist with abandoned properties? Yeah. So this, I mean, a lot of us are so privileged to not have to think about this. We, when we were talking with neighbors, uh, um, one family in mind comes, you know, comes to mind, you know, they go to bed at night and sometimes they'll hear noises outside and, uh, you're not really, <laughs> it's a little uneasy, you know, in the neighborhood that you live in that you hear noises and maybe it's chatter. Maybe it turns out to be a, a drug user. Um, a lot of times it's a homeless person who moves into the house and wants to start a fire and be warm. Uh, I've seen that. I've been to 200 abandoned houses. It's you see everything (laughs) in those places. Um, It becomes a concern for neighbors. One is that uh, obviously fires, the way that at least Louisville is built, West Louisville, that vacant house catches on fire. The fire department typically doesn't know about it quick enough. And so then it catches the next building on fire and can put that family out of a home or often uh, injures or kills the uh, occupants. And like, and you never have to think about that. You're just sitting there like the way that I live, right? I don't have to worry about it because I have two neighbors. And it's kind of weird, right? Sometimes we hate our neighbors, but they're also a blessing in the sense that That's true. Um, they're protection for you too. Um so yeah, and then I think the other story, I think, and not to kind of leverage this or anything, um, DeQuante Hobbs was a boy that was um, living in West Louisville, and the story is about two years ago. He was sitting at the kitchen table, um, I think 8 o'clock at night, eating a piece of cake, playing on his iPad, and all of a sudden gunshots rung out, and the boy was killed. Um, just no no particular reason, right? Um Turns out that what was happening is an abandoned house in the area. They there was a, guy, a dice game going on back there, and people got to heat arguments, started shooting guns. Um, and yeah, I, I think a lot about that story, and just like maybe Casper could have done something. Like if we knew, or if the neighbors knew, or the neighborhood knew that people were at that place and could respond, and maybe just drive a cop car by, maybe do something. We could have had a chance to save a life there. Um, so I think that's just yet another story, like just another thing you don't think about, right? Like abandoned house causes issues, safety issues for me. That's just out of my control. And I think we can do something about it much more so than we do today. Man, that's. Yeah. Sorry to, no, sorry to be that, a downer. That, that's tragic. Yeah. Man, that, that shows that you are solving a real problem and yeah, I love that. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. And I think. You know, it's not a charity either. Uh, this is definitely a healthy business um, that we can be in and do social good too. I mean, it's uh, I don't really don't know what's not to like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. So, so speaking of you, you said social good. This makes me think of something that you're probably seeing often. Again, you're in the west part of Louisville. I'm from Louisville, so I know I know the area pretty yeah. well. What is it like when you find an abandoned house that's been up for you know a hundred years, last fifty years? What's the issue with maybe some of the historic buildings and monuments of the area coming down because they're not being well-maintained? You guys have, uh, any, have any issues with those kind of 
properties? I, I think the goal, people generally want to save history and what's there. And honestly, when you go through West Louisville and you look at the buildings, they're absolutely beautiful. And you think about all the, you know, the I guess the potential that used to be there and could still be there, right? Um, I think it's important to kind of save that history and architecture. I mean, it's a, it's a completely usable part of the city. I think, um, I think a lot of us, uh, when we read the news clippings about person dying there, theft or what robbery happening somewhere in a bad part of town, I, th- I think we develop a false narrative of what's actually there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and I suffered through that too. I was not immune to that. I, I you know, I was scared about going to West Louisville and, and certainly you got to keep your head on a swivel, but it's also not terrible, right? Like you, there's, there's opportunity and in, in growth there. I, th- I, what amazes me is the amount of construction that is going on down there and a lot of development, right? And it's not even just like the Portland initiative, right? It, it, even just driving through the Russell neighborhood, uh, which is also getting a lot of attention, even Park Hill, uh, which is one that's not necessarily the, the forefront of people's minds. Like there's construction going on. People are, are uh, rehabilitating the houses. That's great to see. And, and you find on the government side of things, they're all trying to foster home ownership in that area because that's a great way of creating wealth for families. And obviously when, when people pass, they pass that on to their kids and you can start to build generational wealth where people have not been able to before. Yeah. So I think, again, part of it too, from maybe Casper's point of view, and this is a little bit maybe a stretch, right? We can kind of help preserve the quality of the housing stock if we're keeping people out and kind of keeping an eye out for them. We can't do anything about the weather, but you know, there's, there's certain things that we can do that just kind of helps that situation more. Um, I'm really proud of what we're doing. I just made it today and I am too. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Hey, so it also means, um, again, want to know more about your company, about you. So it also means we have four core values, be good, be excellent, be a friend and be you. And for us, we want our teammates, people come in our space to have high character, be people of integrity. We want the work we do to speak for itself. We want to, you know, bust that ceiling of yeah. average. Uh, we want to continue to be friends, build a community. And lastly, we say if we're doing the first three right, be as weird as you want. That's why I'm so employed here. So <laughs> would love to know, does Casper have any core values? Is there anything that maybe your team has a motto, anything like that for you guys? Um, we, we don't have necessarily a motto, but what I do post up is a picture of the neighbors we're helping. I think that's just kind of keeping them on the forefront of our mind of like, why are we doing this? Cause you're always going to hit tough times in the startup and you know, we're not, we're not trying to do this to make a huge killing necessarily, you know, for, you know, a huge, you know, yeah. monetary success. I think keeping them on the forefront because it permeates your business so much, right? Okay. So how am I going to help these neighbors today? Well, I've got to have an excellent product that the city wants to use. Well, who's going to use the product? It's the installer. It's the neighbors. We'd let neighbors know when things happen at the same time the fire department does. When have you ever heard of that happening, right? Because a lot of times we wake up in the middle of the night and we hear the fire trucks and the place is already engulfed in flames, right? Mm-hmm. So, but how cool would it be to get the notification at the moment that the fire actually happened? And that buys you five, 10 minutes of safety in, in preparation time. Huge deal. But anyways, the, um, tangent. <laughs> no, that was great. No, that's good. That makes me think of you guys are acting as the real friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh, well, <laughs> a little bit, but... Uh, uh, yeah, we we keep ourselves motivated by thinking about who we're helping, and like I said, that permeates every you know piece of our product. You know, 
we can't help the neighbors if the government doesn't want to use it. We can't help neighbors if the installer thinks it's crappy to install and it takes a long time and it's not cost effective. So it really just always boils down to them. How do we serve those people? And those people, like, again, it's a false narrative, you know, are those people really valuable people in our community? And the answer emphatically is yes, they are. And so they deserve the same amount of protection, you know, regardless of their home value or current living situation. Nathan, in what, in what way is the message transmitted to the fire department or to the neighbors? How does that, how does that actually get to them? Yeah, a robocall, uh, text, or uh, email. Um, typically, neighbors, you know, prefer to get the phone calls and text messages. We also have to kind of keep in mind, I mean, fo- you know, smartphones are fairly ubiquitous, but they're still, you know, lagging technology sometimes, too. So... Uh, in the fire department, we have a call center. So when we get an alert, we forward it to a call center, which calls 911 on our behalf. And so that's kind of how all that works. So it's very, very typical of a security company. Nate, what what do you think are some habits or good habits specifically that you have that make you uh, make you cut out to be an entrepreneur? Oh, man. Um, so f- my greatest strength is being able to learn and always being curious. I don't set limits for what I can and can't learn. Um, I, I'm, you know, I was trained as an engineer in college, but that's not who I am. I'm not an engineer. I'm a person first and foremost. And so it's, I know I've got a skill set in engineering that can help me kind of keep food on the table, but I've also learned marketing. One of the few things that nobody I haven't really talked much about before, um, back in 2009, uh, the the graphic t-shirt business was really big everybody was liking those really cool funny shirts that people with just simple t-shirts right and one of the best websites you can get them from was woot.com woot.com yeah and there was a shirt woot and they had a thing called the derby which is their weekly contest and so the public could submit shirt designs to this contest so this was the 83rd one they did um and the theme was called exercise and the idea was just to make an exercise, funny exercise t-shirt or whatever, right? And so um, I put in a design. It's, it was hilarious. It was, it looked like a motivational poster, but it was a T-Rex chasing a stick figure. And it said, exercise, some motivation required. And it's, it's funnier when you look at it, right? Um, that ended up being Woot's, I think, third or fourth highest selling shirt ever. Whoa, no that's way. awesome, bro. And so again, it's like, what did I have to do to get there? I had I had to learn Illustrator, right? And I, <laughs> and just developing that skill set and just playing around with it, it was a terrible drawing. <laughs> I look back at it now because I was like, that's not how you're supposed to use Illustrator. It's pretty <laughs> bad. But um, yeah. That, that's I mean, amazing. Yeah. So I'm always learning new skills. I don't find anything outside my comfort zone ever. Um, it, it, it's always important. And, and part of that is just kind of like my view on life, right? Mm-hmm. I've only got this one life to live. I don't want to just be this tiny <laughs> engineer. It this one? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, great, dude. I, I just don't want to be known as an engineer or whatever. I, if anything, you want to be known as somebody who impacted people's lives and made it better. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that the shirt's still available? It yeah. is. Yeah. What What an amazing lesson you just you just told us. And here I am, more concerned about it. can I buy the t-shirt? I just right. I just slacked it to you. So after this, you okay, can buy good. It. You yeah. Can buy all so again, it's like my life has kind of been defined as accidental entrepreneur in a sense, right? Yeah. It's, it it's just awesome. kind of walk cool. into opportunities. Right. Um. You talked about. You mentioned this pretty pretty casually. I want to come back to this. You haven't taken a vacation in. Well, I have now, but yeah, at the time, right, it was uh, going through speed school, going through high school. My family never really took a whole lot of vacations. And so just kind of, it had been like 10 years. 
mm-hmm. of just exhaustive studying and things like that. And so I think at that time, like after I left that job, uh, that's when I took a big break, right? Yeah, I was hanging out. out at level yeah. one and I, I just got involved with Chris Bailey and gear break is just kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, I didn't really know where it was going to take me, but here I am like five, six years later. I'm just like, oh, this is cool. I actually like this life a lot now. Um, I think it's exciting. Uh, I always kind of tell people because they always kind of, okay, so Nathan's an engineer, you know, Lego bricks, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, the best part about being an entrepreneur is you get all the Lego bricks. You get all sorts of like, you get the regular, like, you know, whatever, normal blocks, but then you get like these spongy types of blocks, like people skills and working with people and Mm. things like that that just aren't um, (laughs) what you're used to working with. So that's just another way I look at it, right? Mm -hmm. Business is yet just another fun Lego creation in a sense, but you get to use a lot more cooler pieces. <laughs> That's great. Um, last question for me okay. is, is if I could gift you five more hours per week, how do you think you would spend them? Oh, if I had five, not five of your hours, but five. Yeah. Just... Not, not, not specifically from, from my life, but if, if I could magically add five more hours to your week, how would you spend them? Oh, there's so many different things. Um, Maybe truthfully, I'd spend it more with my wife <laughs> and just hanging out. Um, I think there's something to be said. A lot of times we solve problems in our head where we're not focusing on the problem. So I think a little bit of that right now in my life currently, it's it's it, I'm working a lot and doing you know a part-time job while also trying to lead Casper, and so it gets it gets heavy sometimes. Um, so maybe that's not the maybe not the coolest answer. That's a good enough answer. That's, that's a great yeah. answer. <laughs> What's your wife's name? Uh, Katie. Katie. Yeah. Katie, I paid him to give the there answer, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that was from the heart. Well, hey, Nate, this has been great. I have one final question for you. Keith is always okay. going to champion this All question right, with me. So <laughs> we work with a, a group of awesome, awesome individuals who are trying to solve problems across our state. So thank you for the work you do. But you're a human being and you learn, you learn through your failures. So yeah. what is one piece of advice that you could tell yourself the day you started Casper that you know now? Uh, it's a, it's going to be a business. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of waited a couple of years, just not really understanding the opportunity of what it was. And so I think if we kind of, uh, thought about it a little bit more uh, the opportunity and asked a little bit more questions, uh, we, we could have gotten this a little bit out sooner. Right. Cause now two years have gone by perhaps in, in, in progress that we could have made. Maybe we would have already been in 25 cities today. Who knows? Yeah. So that's yeah, the thing. Just, cool. just always be looking at the opportunities and kind of looking at it through, through that lens. That's great. That's a good lesson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just everything's an opportunity. Well, cool. Nathan, awesome. it's great talking with, with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here at the fellowship and, uh, and again, I'm excited to use these resources to, to take Casper to that next level. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.